0: 日本史学習に最高にもってこえるサイト
1: Welcome back to the Samurai Archives podcast. This is Chris, your host and the webmaster of Samurai Archives. And with me here today is Nate Lebetter, military officer, aspiring author, and historian. Hello. Uh, Nate recently took a trip to Japan, and among a variety of other things, took a trip to the actual site of the Battle of Nagashino. Uh, We'll get into the other stuff Nate did when Travis is available in a future podcast, since they're both in Japan at the same time. And it only makes sense to get them together for that, but anyway... Uh, I guess we'll start with, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Battle of Nagashino, uh, which I guess I'd be talking to people who have never heard the podcast before. I was going to say. Uh... <laughs> uh, you should be able to find a plethora of info, uh, namely episodes 1, 2, 25, 38, 39, and 40. So it's been discussed before.
0: Once or twice or, or five. five times, apparently.
1: So, uh, Nate, I guess before we get into the uh, the specifics of your trip, to the battle site of Nagashino. Let's start with uh, just a, a basic sort of philosophical question, which would be: uh, What do you think is the benefit for a military historian to visit the site of whatever battle it is they happen to be examining? Um, I'm thinking of the you know the stereotypical historian who relies on just written records and you know nothing else. What would you tell that stuffy fellow to get him out of his ivory tower in the trenches?
0: <laughs> well, I'd say that uh, you know you can't really understand anything unless you see it. Uh, and that applies to, to just about anything. I mean, you know, a historian who's writing about uh, Kyoto uh, and the city of Kyoto needs to go to Kyoto, even though Kyoto is different uh, today and has changed over the years. You, you know, they still need to go see the things that were the same and then see the things that are different to understand how it's changed from what they're, you know, the what they're reading in the diary of a... Court noble or whatever it is they're reading. Um, and I, I think everybody would kind of understand that. It's really no different than that. I mean, you need to go because you're, as you're reading accounts and whether it's the Shinshoki, the Shinshokoki or whatever it may be. And it's talking about what was happening at this place and what was happening at that place, and this hill and that hill. If you don't go and see what those hills look like and what it, what it was like on, you know, at that, uh, uh, at those particular locations, then really you're relying on your imagination to fill in everything, and you're gonna do it wrong <laughs> because you just you, your imagination had you know will will just fill in generic hill or whatever, and it's not Chelseyama or it's not uh, you know Donjoyama or whatever the actual hill it is that uh, that the author that you're reading is writing about.
1: Well, you also recently did write a blog post about this. And uh, also, if you want to throw out your URLs that everyone is listening, can also look it up.
0: Sure, it's uh, sengokufieldmanual.blogspot.com. And, yeah, I put together a a post describing, basically with some pictures and some video uh, from my day spent around walking uh, around Nagashino and the Shtaragahara, say that three times fast, battlefield site, so...
1: So, what did you uh, gain from this trip uh, that you may have missed the last two few times that you've been? I know that's uh, the main thrust of your blog post, but uh, I, I guess right. Well, and, and I guess, in, a, in a sort of another question on top of that, would be uh, how did you miss it last time?
0: Well, contrary to popular belief, I I do in fact have a life and a family, and so previously I'd, I've been to Nagashino twice. Uh, however, I was with my family at the time and, you know, the first time I had a three-year-old son, the second time I had a four-year-old son and a one-year-old or less than one-year-old daughter, I think. And so that doesn't really lend itself to walking around for seven, eight hours and seeing every little detail of everything you can see. So I had gone, uh, twice before. And I had seen, you know, the museum that they have there, which is actually a very good museum. And I had seen the ruins of Nagashino Castle and the little museum that they have there. And I'd, I'd driven a little bit around the main battlefield between the Danjoyama Ridge Ridgeline and the ridgeline now known as Shingenzuka. Uh, so I, I'd seen basically the center of the battlefield. But... Part of the the problem is that I went there, both times I was there was before I went to grad school at UH and actually got into the research of, you know, my papers and reading the different, you know, the nine different accounts that I ended up reading and um, seeing what terrain features they highlight in it and talk about. So um, while I I knew the battle, um, at least I knew the battle, you know, as was told by Steven secondary, his, yeah, well, and not just Turnbull, but um, you know, secondary historians, and you know, Owara Tetsuo, and um, Fujimoto Masayuki, and uh, you know, Tom Conlin, and 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 so on and so forth. That's kind of what was in my head as I was looking around, uh, and I hadn't really gone in depth in my own separate analysis of the battle at that point. Now, those trips formed a lot of the basis of what I. Uh, you know, then did later because I had those memories and I had pictures and I had, you know, an understanding of the battlefield from having been there before, but I, I, I didn't really get the chance to go in depth and, you know, climb all over Danjo and, and see w- what it was like and climb all over, uh, you know, other sort of separated places from the, uh, from the main area like uh, Tobikasuyama uh, or uh, Chalusuyama and, and so forth. So this time, uh I was there I was actually in Japan doing uh, uh taking some classes uh and I had a vacation period, so I went and I, I stayed overnight in uh Shinshiro, which is the city that uh, Nagashino is in, and got up early in the morning, uh, about three and was on the battlefield by about uh, uh between four thirty and five. Uh, about uh about four forty, I guess I suppose uh in time to see sunrise and be on the battlefield at the same time that the, uh, the battle actually started, because it started at approximately 5 a.m. Uh, and then, you know, was able to not only see the parts that I had seen before, but also, you know, I had a, a car, I had a rental car, so drove around to, to uh, some of the separated places, Uh, away from the main area there and also, uh, was, you know, able to park my car and get out and walk around. And, uh, I spent about seven to seven and a half hours, uh, at different sites uh, related to the battlefield and the battlefield itself. So uh, it was definitely a much more in-depth look at, uh, not only the Danjo-Yama ridgeline and the, the Shita, Shitaragahara plain in between uh, Danjo-Yama and Shigenzuka, where the main combat supposedly took place. But also, you know, the, I was able to, to check out the northern flank, the southern flank, uh, the, the hills on either side, uh, and then uh, Nagashino Castle in depth, and then uh, Tobigasuyama and the other hills across the Toyokawa River Valley, uh, where... Uh, the Takeda had forces overwatching Nagashino Castle uh, and so forth, so it, it, I, I pretty much hit everything related uh, to the actual battle itself uh, this time around so it, it was it was a definitely an excellent trip
1: oh absolutely and so you did uh, hit on a few things and i'm I'm sure in the future you'll probably hit on more in your blog but uh, first thing that you, you really seemed to focus on was the visibility and the lighting based on the time. And uh, so probably a, a basic question, or a very basic question, but probably worth asking in the context of, of all this is, uh, what were the uh, factors affected by visibility, just generally speaking, for a Sengoku army? What uh, hindrances or advantages, uh, basically speaking, not, not specific to Nagashino?
0: Sure. Uh, well, generally speaking, I mean, of course...
1: Of course, you need to see your enemy, but...
0: <laughs> right. Well, you know, ideally, and I think this goes for just about any army at any time, uh, you know, there's an advantage if you can see the enemy and they can't see you. Uh, so that's that's just a, a general factor. I mean, uh, you know, lighting and, and terrain and foliage uh, all play into that, of course. Um, now, you know, of course, they weren't really heavily into the use of camouflage or anything like that, simply because that didn't, uh, necessarily provide an advantage with the weapon systems of the day, to be quite honest. Uh, I mean, even guns needed to be used, uh, you know, because they weren't repeating weapons. They had to be, uh, loaded, uh, every shot, And that took time, so they were most efficiently used in in mass groups, um, or at least in groups. So, you know, you weren't, unless you were disguising your movement, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to be, you know, gained by camouflage, uh, per se. Uh, But, I mean, I think that's something, you know, I've talked about this before, that I think was important, the, the disguising of movement on the battlefield. Uh, you can certainly see from the terrain, and hopefully uh, people can get a sense from my pictures that uh, the ridge lines, uh, the north-south ridge lines, do provide a a bit of uh, cover from any observation east-west. Uh, and, I, and I think it backed up, you know, my belief and and what uh, my interpretation of reading through the Shinshokoki as where uh, Nobunaga moved very slowly. Uh, onto the battlefield. Uh, you know, the purpose of, of that was to disguise his, his movement, and I think the terrain lends itself to that. Um, what, what I actually get into in the blog post, uh, the, the biggest thing was, I mean, you can look at the, the map and kind of get a, a feel for the terrain and, and so forth, or, or Google it or whatever. Um, what I wanted to do, and the reason I got there so early, was I wanted to see what the lighting was like. Uh, at the, at the time of the battle. And of course this is about a month and a half after, uh, the battle actually would have taken place in, in the year. The battle was on June 29th and I was there on August 12th. Uh, and there is about a half hour difference in the historical, uh, you know, sunrise data, uh, between that time. But, uh, I think I was close enough that, that uh, I did get a good feel of what it was like being there at the time that, uh, you know, they would have been moving into position uh, as soon as they, you had a, enough, you know, a little bit of light to see, and then, of course, uh, 5 o'clock uh, was when, is when the, you know, various sources say that the battle started. Well, sunrise on uh, June 29th, historically, is about 4.47 a.m., uh, I think, so... You know, it would have been just a little bit after, uh, sunrise. And, and so it was, it was interesting to see what it looked like and see as the, you know, the, the light, it became more light, you know, what it would have been like, uh, sitting there on the Oda lines or, or what, you know, is perceived as where the Oda lines would be, would have been, uh, looking across the, uh, the field there. Um, and you, certainly at, at 5 a.m., I mean, it was light enough to, to, to fight. What, well, yeah, for anybody who's been to Japan in the summertime would know. But if you haven't been to Japan in the summertime, uh, you know, it may seem that we're talking about awfully early, but sunrise is at like 4.30 a.m., uh, in the, in the height of summer. I mean, light, it gets light really early. Because they have no daylight savings time.
1: Yeah, the daylight savings is, uh, is and, uh, a factor. And
0: yeah, so I mean, it's not uncommon in uh, June and July to be uh, for for it to be very bright out at, at uh, you know between four and four thirty a.m. So you know that that's not un, that's not surprising. Uh, but it was nice to be actually be there and and confirm that. You know, yes, at, at 5 a.m., it's certainly light enough for you to, uh, for combat to have taken place.
1: Well, you know what I found uh, interesting is mm-hmm. that it appears that the Takeda would have had the sun at the, directly at their back during their quote-unquote charges of the line, which uh, would seem to be advantageous for them.
0: It, it would have been, and it, it's funny because nobody ever, nobody ever mentions that. Uh, nobody talks about things like light data uh and when uh sunrise was and and uh and so on and so forth or or the direction of light but it's such an obvious thing when you're standing there and uh if you if, you know if our listeners go to my blog post they'll, they'll see I have an extensive section on uh, the fact that you know sunrise was was at uh like 4:50 a.m. or whatever and then the actual point where the sun comes up over the ridgeline uh and and start, you know, hit your eyes was, uh, about, uh, you know, five, five twenty, uh, five thirty or so. Uh, I remember coming across, uh, cause I was on the backside of Donjo Yama and I came around the southern side and I, and I came around the ridgeline and, and, uh, and looked east and it was almost blinding. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if the pictures in my blog post really Reflect how absolutely bright it, it was, but uh, you can go and see them. And I mean, it was, it, it was absolutely blinding. I, you could not, uh, with as <laughs> limited a- in accuracy as firearms were at, at that time. I would, I have a hard time imagining a, a line of, uh, 3000 or 1000 or however many, you know, you want to say. Gunners, uh, lined up in front of Donjo Yama, facing east, and firing away. It, it just, you just, you can't see. Uh, and you can say, well, they were firing in mass, and so it doesn't really matter if they aimed at targets, all you want, but if you cannot look east and fire, you're not gonna fire. Uh, so, if the battle started at 5 a.m., which I have no reason to believe it didn't, then, that technique, the whole Sandan Uchi, you know, three lines in, in formation, rotating through, would have been effective for about 30 minutes until the sun hit their eyes. And then the Takeda would have had a significant advantage. So I I have a hard time believing that, you know, there was some sort of Kurosawa-style, you know, line of gunners destroying the Takeda charges because very quickly after all that started, they would have been Rendered pretty much ineffective, and the Takeda would have been able to with their at least their second wave uh, come in and close and engage uh in very uh you know engage in combat so what what that what it tells me uh my interpretation of that is that it 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 confirms for me uh that the flanks were really where the main action was because you know, not only does it make sense terrain-wise and and based on how the Takeda liked to fight for them to have attacked on the flanks, but the defense uh, is better suited for the flank too because it's not looking directly east; it's looking, you know, uh, northeast or southeast, uh, but not directly into the sun. So, you know, they're able to fi- acquire targets and fire. Uh, so that that was one thing that. That stood out to me, you know. Of course, I, as I had a discussion with uh, with somebody on the board about it, um, you know, and they said, "Hey, I, I thought according to Turnbull uh, that uh, there were, you know, that it was supposed uh, supposedly rainy, uh, and so therefore would have been overcast, and that wouldn't have been a, a problem." Well, that's entirely possible because uh, especially because you know the end of June is the end of the, uh, the Bayou the, the, uh, the rainy season uh, in Japan so it's quite entirely possible that it was that, that it was either overcast or, and/or uh, rainy um, however it's just as likely that it wasn't uh, and since going through the various sources that I did only one of them actually mentions the possibility of rain. Uh, I, I don't really have a you know, conclusive feeling that it, that it would have been. Uh, so, I mean, that's just—it's it's one of those things that uh, you're not—you I mean nobody mentions it because probably nobody has gone and been sitting on the battlefield at 4:30 a.m. waiting for the sun to come up. So, uh, just another—you know—you asked earlier about why, uh, about the importance of actually going and seeing. Uh, the battlefield, I mean, part of it is terrain, and part of it is just understanding the conditions under which people fought, kind of separate from the visibility and, and the, the light aspects of it. But, you know, one of, one of the things that, that struck me is for seven hours, you know, I was in August heat, and it was this August, uh, actually the day before, August 11th, uh, Japan had the highest temperatures that they had had in six years. So, you know, I've been the hottest, uh, hottest summer in uh, six years. Uh, August 11th, the day before that I, w- I was at uh, Nagashino, was the hottest day on record in the last six years in Japan.
1: And August so is brutal in Japan, too.
0: Any- August is absolutely brutal. People, you have no idea. Put it this way. I, I currently live in Louisiana. I came back, and for the first week, I felt cool in 90-degree temperatures here in Louisiana Because, uh, especially the Aichi area is just so bad in Japan. But anyway, you know, I'm, I was, I mean, I'm in relatively decent shape, I think, but I was, it was brutal climbing up, uh, hills and and walking around the battlefield. And, you know, of course I'm not, I'm wearing shorts and a, and a t-shirt, uh, not full, you know, battle armor.
1: Well, see, if you were truly dedicated, you would have gone there wearing a full set of Oyoroi.
0: Um, you know, I actually thought, uh, and, and had I been able to do it with airline weight restrictions, <laughs> I thought about taking my, uh, my, uh, body armor and, uh, and, combat helmet and, and walking around. But I figured I'd probably get, uh, some funny looks and may have the police called on me. So it was probably not a good idea. Uh, plus it's just so heavy to take in your luggage. But, um, that said, yeah, I I mean, it it just, it, it really struck me that, okay, so the end of June, uh, is not as hot as it is in the middle of August, but it's still very hot and you're fighting over, you know, a period of, of, uh, 10 hours or so, Uh you know, over the this terrain, over the hillsides and, and, and so on and so forth, in wearing uh, you know, full suits of armor. There's 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 fatigue. Yeah, and and I mean it it's it's one of those things like you, you, you read uh a tetsuo or somebody like that. Oh well there's there's no way they put uh you know thirty eight thousand Oda and Tokugawa troops online. Well no they didn't but it's because they weren't all fighting at the same time. Because you're not going to fight in that for eight hours straight. You're just not going to do it. Uh, so you know they would have some troops online fighting, and then they'd rotate them out. And the Takeda did the same thing. I mean, it says it straight there in the Shinshokoki. So uh, you know it, it, it it's it doesn't take a big leap of the imagination, given the terrain and given the the, the, the heat and the light conditions, to kind of figure out uh, that. The, the, the common concept of the battle that we've talked about ad nauseum on the podcast uh, just didn't happen. So,
1: Yeah, and speaking of the uh, the actual terrain, I know you, you walked around Donjo-Yama quite a bit as well and uh, found to your surprise possibly that it was, uh, and I quote, steeper, higher, and more heavily wooded uh, than you can tell on a map, uh, which would make it easier to defend. You know, uh, when I saw your pictures, it, it, it looked exactly like... Uh, the Ndakuji Temple uh, on Mount Hiei, where uh, you know, which Nobunaga also famously climbed up the mountainside and laid siege to, and you know, as an aside, I was kind of wondering if, well, maybe that's uh, just something that they did was was climb hills, <laughs> because it, the the train looks looks remarkably similar to uh, Mount Hiei again, for probably the third time. I guess this is another good uh, example of why historians should walk the battlefield to really get an idea of what it would be like to to climb these steep hills through the thick trees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I guess, what was your uh, experience with Don Joyama? Just overall, compare, comparing it to what you had thought beforehand, did it bring up any new points as far as you're concerned? And I guess well, maybe we should a, also just uh, sure. give the listeners a, a quick idea of what Don Joyama is in the context of the Battle of Nagashino.
0: Sure, okay, so... Um, if you're looking at the map, uh, of, uh, of the battlefield, then Danjo-yama is the western, uh, small ridge line where Nobunaga's and, uh, Nobunaga and Tokugawa Ieyasu's forces were oriented east, uh, you know, looking across the Shitaragahara field, uh, at, at the Takeda forces. Uh, so Danjo-yama is, is where uh, in in the center of it in front of it, they have the reconstruction of the uh, the barricades um, and it's it's not a huge hill uh it's i mean it certainly is climbable i mean I did it <laughs> but it's when you look at it on a map and when you're when you're not really climbing it you're just kind of there on the ground, you know, just looking at it, you don't think of it as, because it's not a very big hill, you don't think of it as very imposing, and, and therefore, um, from my first two trips where I hadn't actually climbed around it, uh, my my impression was, you know, pretty much, oh, okay, well, I mean, they set up on the ridgeline, okay, big deal. Um, so, really where this, where it comes in is, uh, if, if you read, Thomas Conlon's account or description of the battle in in his book, yeah, Weapons and Fighting Techniques of the Samurai Warrior, 1200 to 1877 AD, specifically on page 171. He talks about it and and says that, you know, there's no way that they had barricades in front of the ridgeline, Line, uh, that that doesn't make sense, that they would have been on the flanks. And, I've always mostly agreed with that, except, I mean, I agree, I, I 100% agree and always have agreed that the, the major combat was on the flanks, that that's where the barricades were employed to their best uh, effect uh, by disrupting the Takeda attack and allowing it to uh, become kind of discombobulated so that the Oda and Takeda could then counterattack and, and tear it up to, to, to pieces, and you know, again, we've talked about that on this podcast a, a gajillion times, so I uh, won't go into more detail on it. But I, I disagreed with uh, Dr. Conlin in the sense that, you know, there's, there was no reason or, or it didn't make sense to have barricades in front of Donjo Yama. I mean, uh, just speaking as a, a military officer, you know, why wouldn't you put barricades in front of the center? And especially because my impression was that Donjoyama Yama was a a smaller hill, uh, that certainly it could be assaulted uh, by the Takeda, and it would defeat the purpose of uh, the Oda and Tokugawa meeting the Takeda attack on the flanks if the Takeda were able to effect a breakthrough in the center over Danjoyama, uh and then and then outflank them that way, uh, kind of a reverse outflanking by going through the center, but you know, hopefully our listeners can, can picture what I'm talking about. So, I thought, well okay they'll have a couple you know they would have some barricades there uh, in front of Danjoyama, uh simply as a as a barrier to to movement, even though the, the main uh, you know effect of them was on on the flanks you know the north and south flanks after going and actually walking around and up uh, Donjoyama on both the northern side and the southern side, I kind of reassessed that in, in the sense that. I don't know that it was necessary. Um, now, there's some caveats to that. I mean, if you go and, and you read it and you look at the pictures on the blog post, um, then you'll see how, how steep it was and how it would have been very difficult uh, with the trees the way they are today uh, for especially mounted mounted force to, to assault it and, and you know, get to the top and, and take the hill. Um, that said, uh, the... Trees today are likely not how they were in 1575. Now, not being a botanist, I'm not qualified to say how old the trees are or, you know, what they would have looked like. I'd have to find somebody who's an expert in that sort of thing to give me a better picture of it. And, of course, there may have been trees on the hill that then were cut down and used to make barricades. You know, it's hard to say what it actually looked like at the time, and I'd have to... Find specialists and that sort of thing to help help me out with that, but it is pretty steep, and uh, you know horses uh, I I think would have had a particular challenge getting up the hill. Uh, so again, it kind of goes back to the whole you know Takeda cavalry charge against the center of the uh, the Oda lines uh, on Danjo Yama. Well, you probably weren't going to charge horses up that hill, so that kind of takes away that as an option for Takeda Katsuyori.
1: Well, unless you sort of buy into the theory that the, the Takeda horses were more adept at climbing mountains due to you know being from the mountainous kai and, and all that. We did kind of yeah, a but, of previous blog post, but yeah, yeah I, but I they, see your point. They,
0: they still wouldn't have done it quickly. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> it would not have been a charge. And, you know, you mentioned... Uh, you know, the Enryakuji on uh, Mount Hiei and Nobunaga's assault up the mountain. Yeah, I don't think,
1: uh, and, I don't think they rode horses up the mountain.
0: <laughs> yeah, nor, nor was that, as, you know, at least in my impression of reading about it, nor was that ver- necessarily a, a quick thing. I mean, their whole purpose was to surround it and slowly move up the mountain, making sure that they killed every man, woman, and child. Uh, rather than you know assault to the top and take a position up at the top, so you can certainly do that uh you know whether it 's Mount Hiei or whether it 's Yama that we 're talking about in Abishino, Um but you, you're you 're not going to quickly fight your way up uh you 're not going to charge up uh, whether it 's on foot or whether it 's on horses so Having said that, it, it makes me kind of reconsider and think that, you know, well, I can't say definitively that there wouldn't have been barricades in front of Don Joyama, but I sort of retract my, uh, my, my disagreement with Dr. Conlin as to whether they would be necessary or not, uh, and tend to side with him and say that they wouldn't have been necessary, whether they were there or not, it really wouldn't have been necessary. It would have been probably for show kind of a... Hey, don't try it. We've got people here too, uh, as a as a means to ensure that the Takeda went to the flanks. But certainly, you know, like, if you go there today and you look at the, where the barricades are, uh, they're not really necessary to keep an enemy from charging up the hill. Is the is the bottom line conclusion on that?
1: Right, because I guess the the main the main point is why would they? Exactly. All right, and that's it for part one of my talk with Nate about his trip to the Nagashino battlefield. Before we wrap this up, just want to let everyone know that the ninth Annual Samurai Fiction Contest hosted by the Samurai Archives is on right now. Details are available at the podcast blog, samuraipodcast.com, and the winner will get $25 and a copy of the new book, The Way of Judo, which was graciously donated by Shambhala Press and we'll throw up a link to Shambhala as well on the podcast blog site. So uh, go take a look over there as well. The fiction contest ends in December, so you still have a couple months to get something knocked out and sent in. If you do want to participate, send the story along to samuraipodcast at gmail.com and so that's all for today so as always if you're going to shop on amazon please use our amazon link and uh, if you buy anything a little kickback we'll come back here to help keep the lights on in the samurai archive studio and also check the podcast blog for other ways that you can help us out so this was chris for nate saying thanks for listening and we'll catch you again in about two weeks with part two